Have you ever considered moving to a socialist country like Venezuela or somewhere? No. Why not? See, you love it so much, and we're not going to have it here. Why not move to a country <laughs> and you just have it? Go to Cuba. Because I, I, I'm from here. I'd rather try to make this place socialist. Oh, so you'd rather turn this country to socialism rather than go and live in a socialist country that's already established. Yes, because I love the people in this country. Welcome to The Fall Estate. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. The Fall Estate is on Patreon, so make sure you click the Patreon link in the description to uh, support our work. Thank you in advance. And we're doing the show from the radio studio today due to the Chinese virus situation. I have with me a very, mamma mia, hola, si senor, interesting guest, Damien Garcia. He is a Mexican Christian, socialist, YouTuber, and streamer. Wow, Damien, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So what happened to you that you're all these things? Uh, I just kept living life and kept trying to learn and grow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So this is what happened to you when you grow? Yeah, when I kept trying to learn and be more wise and smart. Amazing. But, uh, but I got that from the church, growing up in church, being able, valuing learning and uh, always developing. Yeah. And so I just, that's the direction I went with it. Are you a millennial? Yes. How old are you? I'm 27. Oh, you're really young. I, uh, <laughs> and so you are a YouTuber and streamer. You just woke up one day walking down the road. I'm going to be a YouTuber. Um, well, at first I was, um, I grew up in an evangelical church and in a Pentecostal church. And I was, when I turned 19, I started doing ministry there because I felt called by God to be a pastor. And so I was uh, doing ministry and studying the Bible and studying theology. And then as I continued to do that, I felt like I disagreed with evangelical theology the more I studied and learned. And so eventually I left. And so I still wanted to keep talking about theology and Christianity. I'm still a passionate Jesus follower, but just in a different way. And so I decided to just go on YouTube and talk about it instead. So that's what we're doing. Nice. And you mentioned that you were Mexican Christian socialist and all that, but you were evangelical Christian, a preacher. So why did you feel God called you? Uh, I was at... Uh, an evangelical youth camp when I was 18 and they talked about how God has a calling in everyone's lives. And when I started to consider that, I felt like God was telling me that I need to be a pastor. And what did that feel like? Um, different than being communicated with by humans. And so I knew that it was something beyond myself. It was confirmed over time. I think that's really when I knew is when I decided, okay, maybe I should be. And I started telling the people close in my life that I trusted about this, that also had close relationships with God. And they affirmed that they see that gifting in me. And so I started following that path and I was gifted in it more and more over time. And so I felt like that was also God's confirmation on my life. And so are you still a minister? Uh, not for a church now, but I still... 
uh, talk about Jesus and try to help people. But you're not a minister anymore. No. And so did God tell you, okay, you can go now? God, I feel like God told me to that I could leave that church. I'm still, I'm part of a church. I'm just not working at that church. Now I'm a part of a uh, Disciples of Christ church, which is like mainline Protestant. But I'm not working there like I was working at a church before. Oh, I got you. And um, what is your impression of this generation? Generation Z and gen- uh, millennials. What's your impression of them? I think uh, largely influenced by the Internet. And because of that, they can no longer just stay within their their bubble of influence. Now they're exposed to all kinds of perspectives and different ways of talking about things and living life and expressing themselves. And so that means that they can actually learn more. And because they're able to learn more, I think they're so different than the generations before them who weren't able to learn as much because they didn't have as much access to the internet. And I think that's exciting. It's scary because there's a lot of really bad stuff out there that you could find on the internet, but it's also inspiring because there's a lot of good stuff that you wouldn't be able to find if you didn't have the internet. Like your show, you're on the internet. All kinds of young people can find you. They never would have found you if the internet didn't exist. Right. I totally agree. Um, so you were uh, evangelical Christian. Were your parents evangelical as well? Yes. Um, um, and what happened? At co- How long were you evangelical? Uh, since I was... Um, well, yeah, I was, when I was a small child, I, we started going to that church and then I left in 2017. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. August, 2017, I left. And so you became that because of your parents? Yes. That, that was the church we're going, that, that I grew up in because my parents were going there. And what happened that caused you to turn away from evangelical Christian? Uh, just oh, continuing to study theology and different Christian perspectives, I felt like I disagreed a lot with evangelical theology. Some of the big things were being against LGBTQ people, also reading the Bible hyper-literalistically, which is a very new way of reading the Bible over the last like 200 years, and also the... Um, the, the weird American nationalism I disagreed with as well. There's a bunch of stuff, but those okay. are some of the big ones. What did your parents say when you say, hey, I'm not an evangelical because I like the LGBTQ people? <laughs> they were confused at first because <laughs> they, they didn't, because at their church, they didn't hear these perspectives. So there's a lot of stuff of, of uh, different kind of Christians than people who go to their church. They heard from me. So they were confused at first. And then... They over time they realized that I still love Jesus. I'm still passionate about following Jesus and um, loving God and loving my neighbor. And so they realize, oh, I guess those ideas aren't that bad if he's still living a, a good, faithful life. And so eventually they 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 were cool with it. But at first they're very confused and didn't know what to do with it. So you're the first Mexican Christian socialist. I've ever met. Okay. Um, what did the Christianity say about LGBTQ that you disagree with? Well, I think um, I think for uh, throughout all of church history, the church has reflected 
the values of whatever society that it was in and then theologically justified those secular societal values. And for a long time in secular society, there was hatred and bigotry toward LGBTQ people. And so for that, for, for the church to say that, I think it was just because the whole world was saying that. And then as we started to learn more and more and more that they weren't pedophiles or that they weren't scary or that they also loved people the same way anyone else loves people, then we started to change our perspective. And then the church also started to learn as well and change their perspective. So now there's plenty of churches that are affirming, fully affirming of LGBTQ people. Um, it's not all of Christianity anymore. And so did the church teach you that to hate them? The church taught me that they needed to be changed and that they were lost and that they were wrong about who they were and they had no idea who they were. And then I actually met LGBTQ people and they definitely knew who they were um, to my interactions. And just that's like largely I think across the world, they, they know who they are because they have had to think about who they are longer than everybody else because their identity isn't as accepted. And so they've had more of a think than a lot of us straight people. And so, but the church didn't teach you to hate them. Um, the pastors didn't. I knew, I knew people, individuals at church who did. But the pastors didn't teach you that. The pastors of those churches did not teach you that. Not the ones I went to. Uh, okay. And so were your father and mother perfect, perfect examples of Christians? No. Well, they were perfect, perfect in the sense of um, being able to always be learning and growing and admit their mistakes and apologize when they've made mistakes and be able to um, try to be better throughout their my whole life. And so they're perfect in that sense, but they still made mistakes throughout my life. Who are you closer to, your father or your mother? I'd say equally, my father and mother. So you're close to both of them the same? Yeah. And who were you I'm, mostly I'm influenced fortunate. by, your father or your mother? Um, probably my father. And how did he influence you? Uh, we talk the same, we walk the same, but also the... Uh, <laughs> I think he also, I, yeah, I realized that later in life when people pointed it out to me, but he also um, was was very passionate about learning and not just staying stuck in certain perspective. And so as a kid, I, I grew up with him studying the Bible. Every time I would come home from school, he, I'd see him studying the Bible and reading Christian books. And so I, that always stuck with me in my head that to be a Christian means to always be growing and always learning and developing and not to just remain stuck. Do you now believe that God created LGBTQ people? Did he create them in that form to be that? To be yes, gay and to be lesbian and to be radical? You think God created them to be that way? Yeah, I do. And is God perfect? Is God, um, yeah. And why would he uh, create imperfect people? Um, what do you mean by imperfect? LGBTQ I, I hesitated. Not, being a I, lesbian or a homosexual is not a perfect person. And what makes, I, I'm, I'm also curious about how you see God. So what makes God perfect? Because he is perfect. In what way? Always. Everything about him. You don't believe God is perfect? 
I, I do. I'm just not sure. I feel like all kinds of people have different ways of looking at that. But do you think, I, oh, finish your point? I was just thinking, um, I think, yeah, everyone is imperfect in plenty of ways. Like God lives forever. We can't live forever. God doesn't get hurt. We get hurt. Um, we grow old. We have problems in our bodies. And I think no one is perfect. And do you believe God created men to be homosexuals and women to be lesbians? Some of them. God, why would God create them to be that way? It's not a nice way to live. They don't have peace. Why would he intentionally do that to the people? I think it's only a not nice way to live because of how humans treat them, how society, when society doesn't accept them. But there are plenty of people that God created that society didn't accept and God still created them and God still wanted them to be that way. And that was on purpose, but their lives were hard because society wouldn't accept that God would create them that way. But if God created them to be that way, why would they have inner conflict? That's not the people fault that they have inner conflict about being that way. Why would they have it if God meant for them to be that way? We all have interconflict. We all have people that say we shouldn't be the way we are. I know you, you have, have people all the time come on here and tell you that you shouldn't be the way you are. Do you have conflict within? Um, inner conflict. People telling me that I shouldn't be the way I am. Yes. So that, um, how are you? What do they tell you that you should not be? Uh, that I shouldn't be a Christian, that I shouldn't be a socialist, that I should um, be ashamed for being Mexican. And so, and, and I know people on here come on and say that you shouldn't be a conservative, that you shouldn't be whatever, you shouldn't be talking this way, blah, blah, blah. But we why, all have that. But why do you have conflict? I don't have conflict when people tell me what I should or should I do or be. Why do you, being a minister mm. and being a Christian and a socialist and a Mexican and a liberation theology person, why yeah. would you have conflict based on what someone else say you should or should not be? Why do you personally have right. that? When, so when you said conflict, I imagine someone coming against you in some way. I think that's conflict. Do you have right? inner conflict? Inner, like, like inside telling me I shouldn't be the way I am? Well, inner, inside conflict, period. Um, no, not, not majorly. You have a little Lee? Um. I think a little, a little bit. The fact that I'm, I'm trying to think of words to say, I feel like is a form of inner conflict. I'm trying to think of words to say, but not, yeah, none that bothers me. I don't, yeah. And so, uh, do you, you accept, you believe in abortions as well? Uh, I believe that woman should have the choice. To kill her baby, to kill the man's baby inside her womb. Yeah, I think that it should be completely up to the woman. Why? Did she create the baby? She had a huge part in creating that baby. No, all she did was lay it there and accepted it. Um, <laughs> That's not too much work. Right. I think that, um, yeah, that they should have the choice completely. And Why? I think there are plenty of ways to Why do that. you think she should have the choice to kill a man's child in her womb? Because it's... It's, um, I don't think we should try to control people's bodies. I, I'm, I can't make that choice for anyone because I can't get pregnant. But what give her the right to take a life inside the womb? Because we have the freedom of choice, free will. 
So your free will is to kill your child in the womb. Is that fine with God? I don't know. I, um, I think... Yeah, I, don't, I can't say what's fine with God and what's not fine with God. But aren't you a preacher? Yeah. Well, why can't you say? <laughs> because I think there's a lot that we don't know. And I... I think it's irresponsible to to tell people that I know exactly all the things God's okay with and exactly all the things God's not okay with. But I do think that humans probably think that there's a whole lot that God gets angry about that God doesn't, that God's like, I don't care. I don't know why y'all are making such a fuss about everything. I think so I imagine God that you way. Think that, personally, you think that God would be fine with a woman killing his creation inside of her body. I don't I don't view it that way. I don't view it as No, I ask you not how you see it, but being a Christian and a preacher, you think God would be okay with a woman killing a child inside her womb that he put there. Um I don't think God would view it that way either. I don't think God would see that this is um the creation that he's killing. I think or, or that anyone's killing. I think that like if if we want to get like real traditional about it, um, in the in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, it says that life begins at first breath, and so that's I think how God would see things if we're talking about the God of the Bible. So He doesn't see it as a baby inside of a woman's womb, a groin. No, amazing. Um, you are a socialist. You say that you are a socialist. What yeah. is a socialist? What are, what is that? I would say it's someone who thinks that that people and their communities should own the the resources and should also own the means of making those resources that we should earn everything we work for that I mean I mean while we work we should get everything that we we had worked for instead of just receiving a small check from a boss um, that doesn't even cover everything that we put in work for and that we should be able to um, not struggle to afford resources. And so that's not a socialist. That's exactly what a socialist is. A socialist is is control and own, not necessarily own, but controlled by someone else or the government or, and and the the government provides for you. It's ownership, Mm -hmm. control. So if you Google socialism, it'll say that the, the workers should own the means of production. And that, and that was my like simpler way of putting it, that of people, the community owning the resources and the means of making those resources. That's actually what socialism is. You believe in liberation theology, I read. Yeah. And what is liberation theology? And you said that it saved your life. What is it and how yeah. did it save your life? Liberation theology is simply interpreting the Bible and theology from the perspective of the poor and the oppressed. And I discovered it as I was learning uh, theology in the Bible early on. And it was started in the 1960s in Latin America during Vatican II. But the reason was because of how much of the church has sided with the rich and powerful and ignored the poor and the oppressed. And so this had to become a distinct theology only because of the way that the church has done that. But when I look at the Bible, the whole thing is written from the perspective of the poor and the oppressed. Jesus was poor and oppressed his whole life. So eventually it just feels like basic <laughs> theology. Jesus was not poor and oppressed. Jesus was not poor? No oppressed either. 
how was Jesus? Not, was Jesus rich? Yes, very much so. And he, he was never oppressed. How can an oppressed man tell you to be free when he's oppressed? Mm. When, you, when did you get that idea that he was poor and oppressed? How did he get killed then if he was if he wasn't oppressed? Because he was oppressed by the Roman government, wasn't he? He was he was killed by people who hated the truth. But I want to know how was when did you get this idea that he was poor and oppressed? So the people who hated the truth, the Roman government, were in power, and they used their power to uh, abuse him and then and arrest him and kill him. That's definitely a lot of oppression. When did, when did you get the idea that he was poor and oppressed in the Bible? Uh, from reading it. And it says that Jesus was poor and oppressed? It says Jesus... Yeah, Jesus had to be provided for the whole way of his ministry. And he was uh, arrest, abused, arrested, and killed by the Roman government. And did you say that Jesus was poor? I mean, did the Bible say that Jesus was poor and oppressed? Or it that's what you it. came up with after reading it? It described him being poor and it described him being oppressed. And so you got that from reading that in yes. the Bible, the way they described him? You're like, yeah. oh, Jesus is poor and oppressed. Would you yeah. follow a poor and oppressed man? Uh I follow him because he had good news for everyone that's poor and oppressed. And what was that good news? That the oppression on us by those in power does not define us, that God defines us, and that we are actually free and children of God and worthy of love and belonging and uh, worthy of justice. So it's like, no matter what our governments say, no matter what our governments say, God says (laughs) something else, right? Don't you agree with that? Absolutely. But God, yeah. nor his son, are poor and oppressed. Who want a poor and oppressed God? That's just how it was. That's just how God chose could to become incarnated. Be, could you possibly be wrong? Could I possibly be wrong? Um, possibly, yeah. Okay. And so how did it save you, liberation theology? It saved your life. How? Because I grew up with uh, theological perspectives that um, that didn't give um, theology from the perspective of the poor and the oppressed. It just gave a lot of uh, favor to the powerful and said that being a Christian meant getting the powerful to become Christian and then making everybody Christian. And I didn't like that. I And I hated that. And so being finding liberation theology is what saved my faith because I was able to realize there are other ways of talking about Christianity. And it makes way more sense when I read the Bible, liberation theology. Amazing. At what age did you start believing this way? Probably around 22. I'm 27 now. Oh, okay. And uh, you said that you and your parents became Christians because you were searching for freedom. Right. My parents my parents were when I was very young, yes. They were they were searching for freedom, not you. I was two I was like two years old. Oh, they okay. were they were both drug addicts and alcoholics and and uh trouble all, all the time and so they uh wanted to live differently and so they their my mom's sister had been going to church and so they decided to start going to church and they learned how to overcome some of those addictions and issue personal issues that they had. And so 
that's that's why they started going to church. And so right. I grew up in that environment that said to go to church means to work on yourself and to grow and develop and not stay stuck. And what is freedom? Freedom for my parents was freedom from addiction. How about for you? What is freedom? Are you free? From, um, not as free as I'd like to be. I'm free from addictions. Uh, I don't have any addiction problems, so that's awesome. <laughs> and I, I give a lot of credit for my parents for raising me right in that way. But I also wish I was more free. I wish that um, we didn't have to struggle so hard in order to have resources to survive. And so how are you not free? What part of you is not free? That is not free. I don't feel free because of how much we have to struggle for resources. When you say we, who are you referring to? Uh, All of us in the United States, all of us under a system of capitalism. That's how it works. Oh, you don't like capitalism? No. Bird! (laughs) (laughs) Why? Do you like capitalism, Jesse? I love capitalism. Believe me. Why do you love it? Because it gives me freedom. Oh, how? To be my own, to earn as much as I want, to do what I want, to say yes or no to what I want, and no one else has to tell me how much I can or cannot have, when, where, and how, and control me. Mm. That's what capitalism is all about. I can be as rich as I want, as poor as I want. It's on me and not someone else to provide for me. As a man, you like being provided for? No, I, I like um, being able to, I, part of it is I like to be able to work and get what I earn instead of just through whatever amount a boss says I should get. That's part of it. But then another part of it is me being Christian and seeing that God put all these resources on this earth so that people may have them, not to privatize them and hoard resources and keep them from others. And so you think that God want the working class folks to give all their stuff to the lazy folks? I think God wants everyone to be provided for and that and the people who believe in God should be the first ones to try to find ways to structure the system that everyone has has what they need to survive. That's why we have capitalism. Uh, you, how does capitalism help I don't understand. the homeless? So what now? <laughs> how does capitalism help the homeless? Uh, by locking them up when they commit crimes and things like that. What about uh, when they don't commit it's crimes? It's not capitalist prop, uh, fault that people are homeless and drug addicts and alcoholics. That's due to the lack of good parenting while they, they were growing up. They have conflict, and they're trying to escape by becoming homeless or using drugs and alcohol and all that kind of thing. You can't blame that on capitalism. But you said capitalism helps them. So how can it help those that help, help them themselves. if they don't commit crimes? It helps those that help themselves. Socialism destroys the character. Capitalism builds it up. I think capitalism has destroyed a lot of people's characters. And it's because of capitalism, the inability to afford resources to survive. A lot of people are homeless and they work really, really hard to get a job, to make some money, to get resources. But they can't because once you're homeless, it just gets worse and worse. Are you saying that's due to high taxes and things like that? Um, I think it's that's part of it. It's due to a lot of things. You don't seem to understand what capital, cap- I mean, socialism is. I do. I think you don't seem to understand what socialism is. Do you want the government taking care of you? No. Do you want Christians to take care of you? 
No. Do you want the working class to take care of you? No. Then what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot of ways that we have to allow uh, corporations and the government to take care of us right now. How? Because we have to uh, give our labor to a company in order to survive. Why? We have to sell our labor to a business that will take us in order to make money so we could use that money to eat and live. And what's wrong with that? That we have to, instead of being able to set, structure a system that we all get food and housing and water and resources to live. So you want it without earning it? I think we have a structure that is so amazing that we've built through industrialization that we can get it to everyone. So do and you then, want it without earning it? I think, do I want it without? I want, I want uh, resources to survive without earning it because I want everyone to have resources to survive without so earning it. So you want free work. stuff without earning it. You, here you are, uh, a Mexican Christian socialist YouTuber <laughs> and streamer. And you, when want I, it, you want it without earning it. When I say, when you say free stuff, though, I'm talking about housing and you want food free housing. and water. I think everyone, we have a system set up that everyone can get a house. No, do you want, you personally, you want free housing and food and all that? Yes, and I want everyone but, to uh, have free housing. <laughs> I want everyone to, not just me. But nothing is free. I want free. you to have free housing, Jesse. Nothing is free. Right Somebody now, somebody got to earn it to give it to you. I think, um, I think we we've structured the system to a point right now that we have to work really hard in order to afford housing, and and a lot of people can't afford housing, even though they work really hard and have multiple jobs, they still can't afford housing. They still have to rent from others, and so that's because think, of taxes and uh, whatever they need to make. The government cut back on the taxes and all those things where people can keep more of their money. That doesn't mean we have to go to a socialist system. Right. So we both see that people are financially struggling. I think we just see differently how to get them out of that struggling. And so is there a country or a location somewhere in the world where socialism is working? Not yet. Well, what makes you think it will work then? If it's not working, it's been tried over the years, a long time, and it's not working yet. Why would you want to go with a system that you know doesn't work or won't work? There's a whole lot of factors that stop them from trying, including the United States military, who has gone into countries who are attempting a socialist society and totally ruined it or cut off resources or killed their leaders and when we look back at the transition from feudalism to capitalism, there are plenty of attempts at capitalist society. So that you failed. are against capitalism. It's weird to see a male being against capitalism. That sounds like a beta male. I'm, I think, How would like you? I said, I learned as a Christian that we should keep growing and keep developing and keep learning. I think we've reached a point where we're able to transition to a new economic system. Capitalism wasn't always here. There was feudalism before capitalism, and we got to a point where we were able to finally transition to capitalism. Now, I feel like we can finally transition to socialism. Amazing. And so, do you sin? Yeah. You sin. And are you free to sin or, or free from sin? 
I'm free from sin uh, controlling me. What type of sin do you commit? Um, I, I don't know. I think um, I make mistakes. I make mistakes that um, at times can be harmful to me and others, mainly through, I think, my attitude at times can be uh, hurtful to others. But I can't think of specific examples right now. So I just you don't know that sin. I'm not. I just know that I'm not. Wait, what do you mean? Do you sin? I think um, some of my biggest sin is um, being being rude toward others and not being loving and kind when I can be loving and kind. So because of that, yeah, that's some of my biggest problem. You have you a nasty person? I have been, but I try not to. Are you like your mama? No, my mom is a lot nicer than I am. Oh, oh, he, uh, you're worse <laughs> than your mother. <laughs> In that way, yes. <laughs> um, so you're bigger. You're more of a woman than your mama. <laughs> What's what? Are you saying that to be a woman is to be nasty? Yeah. How so? Any man that has male that has anger is a woman. Any male that has anger is so. Why did God do that then? Why did God put anger in woman but not in man? He didn't do that. You think God did that too? Well, the fact that you said that's how women are, I figured you were saying that that's what God did. No, that didn't come from God. Where did that come from then? They're from their daddy, the devil. So the Satan devil is has their daddy. The devil has special access to women when they're being created. Absolutely. But he doesn't have special access to men. He does. So why does the devil only give women anger but not men? He gives it to the man through the woman. Why doesn't he just skip that? Because why he can't get to the man unless he go through the woman. But you just said he can get to the man though. Through the woman. But I I said you said he has special access to the man as well. No, not special access, but he can get to the man through the woman. But if the if the man or the woman never turned away from her father, then he could not get to them. Period. Do you think Satan can influence men, uh, like directly? No, only through the woman. Why is that? No, he can influence the man once the man uh, follows or become angry at the woman. He become like a woman, and then Satan can influence him there. But if the man never were influenced by the woman, Satan can never influence him. Because he's a son of God. Mm. Let me ask, when you were evangelical preacher, did you sin? Yes. More or less? Um, well, I also think uh, to not be fully inclusive of LGBTQ people is a sin, and I wasn't, so I would say more. So you sin more as an evangelical Christian than you do now? Yeah, because I wasn't as open and loving of God's people as I should have been. You hated them? No, but I didn't fully affirm them. What do you mean affirm them? I didn't. I wasn't public and vocal that they are exactly as God created them to be. So you think God made them that way, right? Yes, I do. Why, but did I God tell you that. that he did that? What makes you think God created imperfect people? Because all people are imperfect. Amazing. And so 
as an evangelical Christian, you sin sin more then than you do now. Yes. That's amazing. And we, are you a slave to sin? No. And how, why not? Can you, can you help? Can you prevent sinning? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think to me a slave to sin means that you have no control over your actions. You're just led by your uh, mistakes. And so you can not sin if you didn't want to. Um, I try not to. I'm I, the fact. I think the fact that I'm able to recognize my sin and say that it's a sin means I'm not a slave to sin. Not that I don't sin. I'm no, able to recognize you, it and repent from it. Can you not sin if you wanted to? Uh, no, I don't think anyone can not sin if they How want about to. you? You Can you not sin if you didn't want to? No. And so you're a slave to it then? No, I think a slave to sin is someone who doesn't recognize their own sin. No, a slave is one that can't help but be a slave. So you're a slave to sin. What does nope. it feel like to be a slave to sin? <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> so your form of Christianity now, does it require you to repent? It does. And, and how often do you have to repent? Um, I don't have a schedule. So I don't know. <laughs> and what does it mean to repent? Um, to be able to admit that when you did something wrong and to, and, and if it's to someone else, then to reconcile with that person. And I'm sorry, what type of sin do you commit? I think my biggest sin is not being nice and loving to people at times and maybe being rude and dismissive. I think that's the first one I could think of. So you have anger. Um, not anger doesn't lead me, but anger sometimes will come up. So you have anger. Not all the time. But you do have it. Sometimes. And it's in you. Sometimes. But sometimes it's within you and sometimes it's not within you. Yes. So when it's not hanging out with you, who is it hanging out with? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, somebody else, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to be angry at any time? No, I don't. So why do you give into it if you have control? Because I'm still learning. I'm only 27. You learning what? <laughs> to not get so angry all the time. And so you are a socialist. Do your parents know you're a socialist? Yes. Are they socialists? No. Are you from Mexico? No, I'm from California. You were born here? Yes. So your parents were born here as well? Yes. Oh, okay. Thank God. According to... (laughs) (laughs) It would be cool if they weren't, though. Why? Um, Because people who are born in Mexico are awesome. Awesome what? Are are cool people. Are Uh, great people. Awesome Children of God that I love. Not criminals. No, not criminals. (laughs) God's children that are loved just like we are. Amazing. According to liberation theology, does God love poor people more? No, but God... Um, has a special blessing on the poor. And why doesn't he love them more? Since they're poor and out of it. Um, I think God loves everyone equally. And so when you say he has a special something for them, does God treat one person better than he treats the other? No, but I, when I say, I said blessing, because I think of Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed are the poor, 
but he also said woe to the rich and i think that was god's way of saying that god is on the side of the poor therefore once it god is supportive of anything that helps the poor um but i think any system that helps the rich over the poor god says woe to god does not approve of does god love the rich less than he does the poor no god loves them both the same Yes. Oh, okay. Are you more concerned about a person's material possession or the condition of the soul? Mm. Both. Which one more? Which one more? Um, I think uh, the material a little bit more because <laughs> I, have, I have the ability to change that. I, have, I can't change anyone's soul. And so I, I think of what I can do. So therefore, what I care about would be their material possessions because I can help with people's material possessions. So let me ask, do you hang out with the LGBT people? You party with them, hang out with them a lot? Yeah. And, and, they're my friends because they're my friends. Yeah. You have straight friends, too? Yeah. You have normal friends? <laughs> I have all kinds of friends. And what do, what do your normal friends think about you hanging out with the LGBTQ and all that? I have uh, normal LGBTQ friends, too. And what do, I mean, your straight friends, what do they think about you hanging out with the LGBTQ people? They think it's cool and they hang out with us. And do you dress in drag? I don't know. And you, do you hang out with guys who dress in drag? Um, not right now. I would. Have you I, done I that? happen to not have any friends who are drag queens, but have, have you uh, ever hung out with no. drag queens? Um, yeah, I have, but I don't have any friends right now. Where are any your drag friends? queens want to be friends? Let's be friends. <laughs> where are your friends? Where? Yeah. What do you mean? You what say you, mean you don't you don't hang out with the drag queens now, and you don't have any friends. Why not? No, no. I mean, right now at this moment in my life, I don't have a friend who happens to be a drag queen. Uh, what happened to him? I don't know. I haven't met a, a cool uh, drag queen in my city yet. What, <laughs> what city are you in? I'm in um, the central coast of California. Oh, okay. So is freedom spiritually or physically, materially? What is freedom to you? Um. I think that it, it's all of those things. I think freedom uh, is being able to um, to 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 receive what you need without fighting others for it, and uh, to live free without um, struggling with others for it. I think, um, but I think God meant all of us to be free, and then as we live life, we have to realize that for ourselves. Amazing. And so people who are in poverty, as you said, mm -hmm. uh, they are suffering due to poverty. Can that and does that bring them closer to God? Um, I think. I think it it can. It doesn't always, but it can only because they are struggling more. And I think like. Um, we see a lot of situations when people are struggling more, they're more open to God. So you say it can bring them to God? It can, but not the, always. The suffering can? Yeah. And why is that? 
because I think we've seen throughout the Bible and with people we know that when people are suffering, they're more open to God. They're more open to any, everything. Um, how I got so much to talk to you about, so I'm looking at the clock. I got to move fast. Okay. Um, what is oppression? Oppression? Me For me, oppression is um, forcing power onto others and not uh, allowing them to live how they want to live. Amazing. And so a man or a woman who is truly born again of God, can they be oppressed? By, by other, yeah, they can. How is that Anyone can be. How is that possible? Um, their government can oppress them. Are you oppressed? Yeah, uh, by my government, yes. How are you oppressed? Because, uh, like I said, I would like to um, have a society where uh, the community owns our resources and we own the means of those resources, but the capitalist system does not allow us to do that and forces us to slave away for our resources. But it doesn't force you. You don't have to go to work. You can stay home. Then I wouldn't be able to survive anymore. You can go live on Skid Row. They give you free food, free houses and everything. Not free houses. Yeah, they give you like they have these homeless shelter places. Mm-hmm. They're for the lazy people and the drug addicts and alcohol alcoholics. You can go live at one of those places. Earlier, you made it seem like it was a bad thing to do that. It is. But you can go live there since you love socialism so much. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's socialism. So what? I don't think that's socialism over it there. Is. They provide everything, all your needs. They Food, clothing. Yeah, food. They wouldn't be on Skid Row if they had all their needs provided. You no, know, all their needs are provided on Skid Row. Women's shelters, men's shelters. They collect food, clothes. Uh, they give you a place to sleep. Uh, they even let you worship God. Yeah, and we know that a lot of Christians are doing that, right? A lot of Christians are giving them food. Yeah, and what right. They need. So why don't yeah. you go and, and so, give me a little socialist down at one of those places? You so, don't have to. So for, for me, I, th- I think um, because I'm a Christian and I think we should help people like that, I think that we should go a step further and structure an economic system that doesn't even allow for people to be homeless and not have what they need. That's how much I wanted to help people and do what Jesus said. And I think um, we need to structure the whole system so that people don't end up like that. Do you uh, have you ever considered moving to a socialist country like Venezuela or somewhere? No. Why not? See, you love it so much, and we're not going to have it here. Why not move to a country <laughs> and you just have it? Go to Cuba. <laughs> uh, Venezuela is struggling. I know, I, but I that's socialism. Why don't you go down there and struggle I think with them? They're struggling for a lot of reasons, and a huge part of that is because of um, countries like ours coming against them. Not but why don't them. you go down there and live with them? Um, because I, I, I'm from here. I'd rather try to make this place socialist. Oh, so you'd rather turn this country to socialism rather than go and live in a socialist country that's already established. Yes, because I love the people in this country, and I want them to have what they work for. Do you love America? I love the people in America. How about America? Do you love America? The the land? Do you love America? The word? Do you love America? <laughs> What's America? You don't know what it is? You were born here? Yeah, but I know America is 
America the people, America the land, America the word. I love the people. I don't love the land. Do you see America as a land of opportunity? Um, not enough opportunity. So, no, I don't. Amazing. So I got to ask because of time here. Okay. Uh, you made a video about that black drug addict, George Floyd. Remember him? I remember George Floyd. And the, and the whole riot thing, the, the terrorist yeah. attack that happened as a result. Uh, you said this is where God, you said this is where God is when you watch the police station burn down in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? I think um, God demands justice and God, I, and I, I believe that those protests were in the name of justice against the unjust police force. And so I, that's why I think God is there uh, in support of the protests. So you think God wanted the people to burn down other people's businesses, rob and steal and kill over a drug addict being killed? Uh, I don't think God um, is too concerned with buildings and businesses. I think that's more of a human thing. And so you think that God wanted those people to do that? I think God is in support of the message of Black Lives Matter and um, and doing something about the unjust police. And so you uh, were those people of God or evil that burned, robbed, steal, and, and killed and all that? Were they of God? Were they doing good? They remind me of God, uh, especially with Jesus, who also protested his government. Jesus uh, also rioted. You remember that story of Jesus going into the temple and destroying property and that's looting? Not, that's not even comparison. Jesus destroyed their property by flipping the tables and looted by allowing the animals that they were selling to leave and pouring the coins all over the, the ground. When the police stopped responding to 911 calls, will you consider that good or evil? Um, I, think, I think we need to have other people respond. The 911 calls. Will you call that, will you consider that good or evil when the cops stop responding to 911 calls? Good. You would call that good? hmm You also said the black and brown, black and brown, black and brown. You said the black and brown people. That's us, Jesse. That y'all? That's us. Who? Black and brown. What do you mean? Right? What do right? you mean us? I'm brown. And what are you? (laughs) True. (laughs) That's us, Jesse. We're hanging out. (laughs) Black and brown people don't even like one another. Black people don't like Mexicans, and Mexicans don't like black people. Do you dislike Mexicans? I love all... No, I love Mexicans. You love Mexicans? But there are black people that don't like Mexicans. They don't get along in the hoods or anywhere in the schools. They don't get along. I know. It's sad to see. I've seen it before, too. So why, why, why are you people hooking up with the blacks? And pretending that you have love for one another. Oh, there's a lot of blacks and Mexicans that love each other. No. Absolutely. Like yeah. us, we love each other. And there's other Ooh. black people and Mexicans that can learn to love each other. So let me ask. Um, you said the black and brown people didn't go far enough with their riots. Did you really mean uh, that or did you stumble? Uh, I think the riots should continue. Yes. 
So you think the black and brown people continue to, to uh, burn out other people's businesses, destroy them, their families, and everything? No, I think the protests, people should continue to protest. Why? And because uh, nothing has even been done. And what do you no, think going to be done by them? these protests yet. What do you think will be done by the terrorist attack upon America by the black and brown? I don't think there's terrorist attacks by black and brown people. You don't think burning and looting and stealing and robbing and all that is a terrorist attack? No. What do you think? In like they're not, a birthday they're party? Anyone. You think it's a birthday <laughs> party? <laughs> no, it's it, it's um it's what happens when people protest and when people are suffering this much under our unjust system. And so it's just a part of what happens. And so but I think protests should continue because I I do agree that black lives matter and that the police are unjust. It's just, you support black lives matter? Yeah. Do you know that it was founded by a bunch of fat black radical lesbians who hate God, yeah. who hate the nuclear family, who are admitted socialists, Marxists. Do you support all that? Um, I support Black Lives Matter, and I don't know who those people are, but they, they sound pretty cool. They founded Black Lives Matter. They sound cool. They founded Black I'd Lives Matter. I'd be friends with them. Amazing. Uh, what is a man? What is a man? Yeah. Uh, I think probably someone who identifies as a man but is mature. A mature man. You're not sure? No, no, mature. I think it's someone who's mature. You're not sure what a man is? That That is what a man is. A, a man should be mature. And what is love? Love? Um, I think uh, being able to have empathy and see uh, others uh, suffering and what they're going through, see things from their perspective and do something about it. Do you love white people? Yes. And do you think that black people are suffering due to the lack of material things or the lack of character and the destruction of the family? Material things. Amazing. And so uh, it's time for me to heat up this interview. I got to put you on the hot seat. Okay. And, and what I need is for you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. Okay, Jesse. All right. So let me ask first, are you a man? Yes. You are a man? Yes. Would a man want socialism? Or would yes. he prefer capitalism? Socialism, all the way. All right, I need you to answer these as quickly as possible. The hot Is it offensive to say Merry Christmas? No. Is it worse to be morally bankrupt or physically bankrupt? Uh, physically. Do you watch porn? No. True or false, Camilla Harris is an evil, empty shell female. False. Do you love the great white hope? Who's that? Donald Trump, the president. Um, as a child of God, yes. Not as the president. <laughs> <laughs> Did you vote for Joe Biden? No. Uh, do you smoke pot? No. You stopped? Uh, no, I don't smoke pot. You never smoke? I'm cool. I'm fine with it, though. I just happen to not. Do you smoke pot? No. I have, yeah. but I don't anymore. Oh, I asked about the white people. Do you love white people? Yeah. Would you date a fat woman? Yeah. Would Jesus support Antifa? Yes. Do you shop on Amazon? Yes. Is it normal to have anger? 
Yes. Should illegal aliens get free health care? Yes. Amazing. <laughs> Did you have fun? Yes, thank you. Thank you're, you for having me on. You're welcome, man. Tell the folks how to get you. You're, you're socialist, you're, Christ, you're Mexican, Christian, socialist, YouTuber, streamer. Yeah, you can find me on YouTube and Patreon, youtube.com slash Damon Garcia, Patreon slash Damon Garcia. And then I'm on Twitter and Twitch, uh, uh, who is Damon, D-A-M-O-N. So check me out and let's talk and have some fun. Thank you for coming on, Damon. I wish you Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas, Jesse. All right. And and go downtown and live in one of those homeless shelters. And you will really be a socialist. <laughs> I'll, I'll go hang out with them and tell them what a fun time I had over here. Have James to come here. I, I just have one person I want you to meet. Have James come really fast. Okay. Have you heard of the Hake Report? The what? Hake. H-A-K-E. No. He is a white guy that comes on. He's on my network, and he comes on. His show comes on right after me. Okay. And he's a millennial with good hair. He's a white guy with good hair. Awesome. This is Jay. Would you come on his show? Hey. Uh, yeah. What, do you want me on your show? I, yeah. I feel like, okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to force myself. <laughs> What's your show about? Same thing, pretty much. Just What's a little the difference? Bit, a little bit more politics and I... A little bit more young people stuff, and I know a little bit more about like the young people culture, like the alt right and all that stuff. Oh, nice. do you help Jesse out when he doesn't understand things? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> this, this, uh, I, I want to warn you. This is one white boy that's not afraid of the black and brown. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, nice well, he'll have you on. Awesome. All right, thank you, Damon. I really wish you well, and thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you. See you later. God bless. And thank you all for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. Don't forget to like, follow, tweet, subscribe. Check out Patreon by uh, uh, going to the link, Patreon link there. And we have brand new merch. Brand new. See this shirt? I'm digging this shirt. I am Santa. Okay. So thank you. Let me hear from you. Maybe Christmas will be over by the time you hear this, but I hope you've had a Christmas, a good one. Thank you for tuning in. Next time on The Fallen State. I roll into organizations and I ensure that people of color, that women, that gender minorities, that sexual minorities, that people with disabilities are being treated respectfully. Microaggression is a any act or word or deed behavior that makes someone feel like they are otherized. If the owners were interested in running roughshod over protected categories, then they need to go to jail. But why not train the blacks how to act rather you than that's put it. What you're saying right now is illegal. Fellow Americans, four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. Four years ago, I came to Washington as the only true outsider ever to win the presidency. 
I had not spent my career as a politician, but as a builder looking at open skylines and imagining infinite possibilities. I ran for president because I knew there were towering new summits for America just waiting to be scaled. I knew the potential for our nation was boundless as long as we put America first. So I left behind my former life and stepped into a very difficult arena, but an arena nevertheless with all sorts of potential if properly done. America had given me so much and I wanted to give something back. Together with millions of hardworking patriots across this land, we built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. We also built the greatest economy in the history of the world. It was about America first because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close. We passed the largest package of tax cuts and reforms in American history. We slashed more job-killing regulations than any administration had ever done before. We fixed our broken trade deals, withdrew from the horrible Trans-Pacific Partnership and the impossible Paris Climate Accord, renegotiated the one-sided South Korea deal, and we replaced NAFTA with the groundbreaking USMCA. That's Mexico and Canada, a deal that's worked out very, very well. Also, and very importantly, we imposed historic and monumental tariffs on China, made a great new deal with China. But before the ink was even dry, we and the whole world got hit with the China virus. Our trade relationship was rapidly changing. Billions and billions of dollars were pouring into the U.S., but the virus forced us to go in a different direction. The whole world suffered, but America outperformed other countries economically because of our incredible economy and the economy that we built. Without the foundations and footings, it wouldn't have worked out this way. We wouldn't have some of the best numbers we've ever had. We also unlocked our energy resources and became the world's number one producer of oil and natural gas by far. Powered by these policies, we built the greatest economy in the history of the world. We reignited America's job creation and achieved record low unemployment. Income soared, wages boomed, the American dream was restored, and millions were lifted from poverty in just a few short years. It was a miracle. We rebuilt the American manufacturing base, opened up thousands of new factories, and brought back the beautiful phrase, made in the USA. To make life better for working families, we doubled the child tax credit and signed the largest ever expansion of funding for child care and development. We joined with the private sector to secure commitments to train more than 16 million American workers for the jobs of tomorrow. When our nation was hit with the terrible pandemic, we produced not one, but two vaccines with record-breaking speed, and more will quickly follow. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. We appointed nearly 300 federal judges to interpret our Constitution as written. 
For years, the American people pleaded with Washington to finally secure the nation's borders. I am pleased to say we answered that plea and achieved the most secure border in U.S. history. We proudly leave the next administration with the strongest and most robust border security measures ever put into place. This includes historic agreements with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, along with more than 450 miles of powerful new wall. We restored American strength at home and American leadership abroad. The world respects us again. Please don't lose that respect. We reclaimed our sovereignty by standing up for America at the United Nations and withdrawing from the one-sided global deals that never served our interests. And NATO countries are now paying hundreds of billions of dollars more than when I arrived just a few years ago. It was very unfair. We were paying the cost for the world. Now the world is helping us. And perhaps most importantly of all, with nearly $3 trillion, we fully rebuilt the American military, all made in the USA. We revitalized our alliances and rallied the nations of the world to stand up to China like never before. As a result of our bold diplomacy and principled realism, we achieved a series of historic peace deals in the Middle East. Nobody believed it could happen. The Abraham Accords opened the doors to a future of peace and harmony, not violence and bloodshed. It is the dawn of a new Middle East, and we are bringing our soldiers home. I am especially proud to be the first president in decades who has started no new wars. Above all, we have reasserted the sacred idea that in America, the government answers to the people. Our allegiance is not to the special interests, corporations, or global entities. It's to our children, our citizens, and to our nation itself. As president, my top priority, my constant concern, has always been the best interests of American workers and American families. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most difficult. I did not seek the path that would get the least criticism. Everyone is entitled to be treated with respect, to have their voice heard, and to have their government listen. You are loyal to your country, and my administration was always loyal to you. We promoted a culture where our laws would be upheld, our heroes honored, our history preserved, and law-abiding citizens are never taken for granted. Americans should take tremendous satisfaction in all that we have achieved together. It's incredible. Now, as I leave the White House, I have been reflecting on the dangers that threaten the priceless inheritance we all share. As the world's most powerful nation, America faces constant threats and challenges from abroad. But the greatest danger we face is a loss of confidence in ourselves. We must never forsake our belief in America. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. 
In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. America is not a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. I fought for America and all it stands for, and that is safe, strong, proud, and free. Now, as I prepare to hand power over to a new administration at noon on Wednesday, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. There's never been anything like it. The belief that a nation must serve its citizens will not dwindle, but instead only grow stronger by the day. As long as the American people hold in their hearts deep and devoted love of country, then there is nothing that this nation cannot achieve. Our communities will flourish. Our people will be prosperous. Our traditions will be cherished. Our faith will be strong. And our future will be brighter than ever before. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart, an optimistic spirit, and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come.